the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. Hour number two underway now at AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for joining us as I am back after a week's vacation. Really, really needed, much needed. Thanks again. Uh, it is a Monday, by the way, the seventh morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Thanks again to my team, uh, both the team in the studio, uh, Derek and Andrew and Josh and David and Marcy, uh, for holding down the fort and making things easy for the great, great, great list of guest hosts that I'm able to count upon when I am gone, including Khalid Namar, Rob Walgate, and Dave Zanotti, and of course, Peter Kersenow held down the fort on Friday. So a terrific, terrific job by all of them, and I really appreciate their support and yours, your support of uh, that team when I'm not around. But I'm back, and I'm very happy to be back, and I want to continue to focus on, excuse me, something positive here as we get started with the second hour of the broadcast. And by the way, I also want to invite you. Tell me what I missed that is most important to you. I mean, I've tried to do my homework over the course of the last 48 hours since we got back in town from uh, from the free state of Florida. And by the way, I'm more convinced now than ever that I want Ron DeSantis to be my president in 2024. I do. I want Ron DeSantis to run and Ron DeSantis to win the presidency in 2024. Now, can something happen between now and then to change that? Yeah. But for now... Every other day, Ron DeSantis is signing a new order or proposing uh, to the legislature in Florida new legislation or making decisions that I absolutely love. Constitutional, um, rights-supporting, common-sensible, reasonable decisions about Florida's economy, about their health, about you know lockdowns, about uh, transgender sports issues, about uh, you name it. I mean, he's just striking, he's checking every box, and he's doing it unapologetically, 
a former Navy SEAL who's got you know the the guts and the wisdom to run that state the way he's running it in the face of all projections of destruction. Remember, Florida was going to kill people, especially with the excuse me. <clears throat> High population of senior citizens who retire to Florida, you know, the most vulnerable to COVID-19, and they were lifting restrictions. Oh, my God, he's going to kill everybody. Florida is winning every step of the way. So anyway, I was in Florida for that period of time, for the last week. You tell me what was the most important story that I missed and why uh, it matters the most to you. 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. While you're thinking about that and dialing, I am going to think about this or share this with you. Joe Manchin, I told you. The senator from West Virginia wrote an op-ed yesterday explaining why he's voting against the For the People Act. The left has lost their collective minds, and that's a little bit rough because that would be suggesting that they were ever in their right minds. They are progressives, so by nature they're not. But at any rate, they're going off the deep end with uh, Joe Manchin on this. Manchin wrote, and I quote, Unfortunately, we are now witnessing what the, that the fundamental right to vote has itself become overtly politicized. Today's debate about how to best protect our right to vote and to hold elections, however, is not about finding common ground, but seeking partisan advantage. Whether it is state laws that seek to needlessly restrict voting or po- uh, politicians who ignore the need to secure our elections, partisan polymaking won't instill confidence in our democracy. It will destroy it. As such, he writes... Congressional action on federal voting rights legislation must be the result of both Democrats and Republicans coming together to find a pathway forward, or we risk further dividing and destroying the republic we swore to protect and defend as elected officials. Democrats in Congress have proposed a sweeping election reform bill called the For the People Act. This more than 800-page bill has garnered zero Republican support. Why? Are the very Republican senators who voted to impeach Trump because of actions that led to an attack on our democracy unwilling to support actions to strengthen our democracy? Are these same senators, whom many in my party applauded for their courage, now threats to the very democracy we seek to protect? The truth, I would argue, is that voting and election reform that is done in a partisan manner will all but ensure partisan divisions continue to deepen. With that in mind, Some Democrats have again proposed eliminating the Senate filibuster rule in order to pass the For the People Act, with only Democrat support. They've attempted to demonize the filibuster and conveniently ignore how it has been critical to protecting the rights of Democrats in the past. As a reminder, just four short years ago, writes Joe Manchin, and by the way, let me pause since I paused there, to again point out some of the language that's in the minutiae here, you know, Ignore it. You know, he said when Donald Trump's actions led to an attack on our democracy, that's crap. And I suspect Joe Manchin knows that's crap. We all heard Donald Trump's words, um, you know, on January 6th. He was impeached over this issue, and that impeachment was soundly defeated. Um, Clearly, he knows that that's crap, but he has to throw in a few lines here to try to protect himself from the full fury of the Democrat base. Now, that's not working. The Democrat fury is still coming, which is what I'll share with you in a moment. But um, he has to throw lines like that in there. Don't believe them. Don't pay any attention to them because he knows that's not true. As a reminder, he writes, 
just four short years ago in 2017, when Republicans held control of the White House and the Congress, President Donald Trump was publicly urging Senate Republicans to eliminate the filibuster. Then it was Senate Democrats who were proudly defending the filibuster. 33 Senate Democrats penned a letter to Senators Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell warning of the perils of eliminating the filibuster. He's right, by the way. The Democrats only want to eliminate the filibuster when it benefits them. It has been said, Manchin writes, by much wiser people than me, that absolute power corrupts absolutely. Well, well, what I've seen during my time in Washington is that every party in power will always want to exercise absolute power absolutely. Our founders were wise to see the temptation of absolute power and build in specific checks and balances to force compromise that serves to preserve our fragile democracy. The Senate, its processes and rules have evolved over time to make absolute power difficult while delivering still uh, still delivering solutions rather to the issues facing our country and i believe that's the senate's best quality yet this process can be frustrating and slow it will not it will force compromises that are not always ideal but consider the alternative do we really want to live in an america where one party can dictate and demand everything and anything it wants whenever it wants i have always said i can't go home and explain it I can't, if I can't go home and explain it, rather, I can't vote for it. And I cannot explain strictly partisan election reform or blowing up the Senate rules to expedite one party's agenda. The truth is there's a better way if we seek to find it together. So I'll stop there. I won't read the last three or four paragraphs of the Manchin op-ed, but it's very clear. He is saying that what the Democrats want to do here is wrong. And it will ultimately be destructive for the country. If one part, and, and by the way, I'm going to push back just a little bit. And this is going to be very partisan sounding. And I don't apologize for that. But when one power seeks, or excuse me, one party seeks absolute power, um, it's not uniformly destructive because if it's the republican party it's the people that benefit with more freedom and more liberty do you understand i mean this is just a fundamental ideological difference among us or between us if the democrats seek full control and power what do they seek to do they seek to take more of your freedoms away, whether it be guns, whether it be your own money through higher taxes, whether it be your own uh, ability to operate businesses through higher regulation, um, whether it be your own freedom about where to worship and how to worship and where to go and who's an essential business and who isn't, who's an essential employee. The Democrats want literally the government to dictate every aspect of your life and if one party rule means that party in power gets to dictate every aspect of your life we cease to be a free democratic republic that's not debatable if the party that believes that the big government should control the people that party has to go or at least they must lose their single party rule And I'm going to be hypocritical here to an extent because I'm going to say, however, if the party that is in single-party rule 
seeks not to force big government controls on the people, but rather seeks to force the people's free will on the big government, limiting what they can do to people, limiting what they can do to people's money, people's rights, people's speech, people's protection. If the party in power seeks to advance the power of the people over the government, then I don't have a problem with single-party rule. If the party in power seeks to expand the power of the government over the people, on the flip side, that's when I have a big problem with it. So Joe Manchin is kind of towing a line here. You know, he's saying some things that I don't think he believes, but he's got to watch himself. He's in a purplish situation. There are a lot of Republicans down there in West Virginia, but there's obviously a lot of Democrats as well. And he's got to say some things that I don't think he means. And I'm going to clarify those as we go. But for now, he opposes the filibuster elimination. He opposes the uh, uh, federal takeover of the elections. He's going to oppose the packing of the court. He's going to oppose 51st state for D.C. He's going to oppose abolishing the Electoral College. For now, that's all we need. All right, let's get to those phone calls from you right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Ten twenty four, AM fourteen twenty. The answer I mentioned the left is just coming for Joe Manchin, no matter how many lines he throws in there against Trump and so forth. But um, they are literally all over the place here. Uh, Mondaire Jones tweeting: Manchin's op-ed might as well be titled "Why I'll Vote to Preserve Jim Crow." You know, it's as if these people never ever lived through or studied Jim Crow. What were Jim Crow laws, and how on earth can anybody with a working frontal lobe or cerebral cortex claim that wanting secure elections is is tantamount to Jim Crow is, is beyond my comprehension. These people are all over. Jamel Hill, remember Jamel Hill? <clears throat> the far-left former ESPN personality now working for the far-left uh, The Atlantic. Jamel Hill calls Joe Manchin a cowardly, power-hungry white dude for not voting to uh, federalize the elections and completely destroy um, what our founding fathers put in place as it pertains to states running their own elections. She wrote, and I quote, This is so on-brand for this country. Record number of black voters show up to save this democracy only for white supremacy to be upheld by a cowardly, power-hungry white dude. At Senator Joe Manchin is a clown. I just love when racist people like Jamel Hill just pull back the curtain, you know? Just lay it all out. Bear for all to see. She is a flat-out, stone-cold racist. A white person makes a decision she disagrees with, and she attacks his color. She is a straight-up racist, as are so many, particularly black liberal progressives who hate white people and make no bones about it. And they're allowed to get away with it, by the way, because they don't get canceled. They don't get canceled for being racist against white people. But a white person says something, even if it isn't racist, but can be branded as such, such as saying, I don't believe Black Lives Matter, Inc. is a good organization. And, oh, they're the racists who lose their jobs and get canceled. It's unbelievable. 
Navy man Norm is calling us from Strongsville. Norm, thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Go ahead, sir. You were missed. Believe me, you were missed. <laughs> Welcome well, I, back. I appreciate it. Uh, yes, thing concerns me, and I sent this out uh, last week. The People's Republic of China purchased 130,000 acres or 200 square miles of land between Dallas and Houston, and they're currently building a 10,000-foot runway. So I would like to find out from our wonderful <laughs> congressional representatives and senators what the hell or who the hell authorized Red China to buy 200 square miles of land deep in the heart of Texas. And it's a, it's a communist Chinese party company that's building a telecom center. Can you imagine that? A telecommunication center along with a 10,000-foot uh, 10, runway. Yeah, it's a it's a very it's a very good question. Um, who authorizes such a purchase? I would like to know that. Uh, yeah. and, and and second of all, for what purpose? I would imagine before any you know such agreement could be made, uh, an agreement would have to be made on what the land can be used for. Uh, you know, I've heard yeah, things we, like it's going to be a wind farm. Uh, that's one of the things. Others have you know some more nefarious ideas. I I don't know, but I would certainly like those questions to be asked. I just don't understand how a foreign country, for that matter. Uh, a communist foreign country, no less. A foreign country, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, these are, these are the kind of things that keep me up late, uh, up at night. It's, know, a, it's 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 a it's a great ex, question. Being, yeah, being ex-military and my son being in the military for twenty three some years, uh, it just boggles my mind. And then we have a Secretary of Defense that is a joke and a clown. Oh, he's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Listen, yeah. I, I talk to I talk to members of Congress from Texas from time to time. I'm going to reach out and thank you, Norm, for the call and for bringing that up. I'm going to reach out to some of my friends from Texas who are in our Congress, and I will uh, see what they have to say about that because it's a very, very legitimate question. Let me get um, Gary in Olmstead Township in real quick. Hey, Gary, go ahead. Hey, two things, Bob. Hey, uh, if you remember uh, when uh, Trump announced, I was one of the first first listeners of your show to. Say I'm, I'm totally for this guy, and then I became a uh, selected as a voting delegate for him. Today, it's Ron DeSantis. Love Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis is the should be our next. Your president. dog agrees. Your dog loves him. Listen to that. He's behind yeah, you going, yeah. yes, yes, Ron DeSantis. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. One other thing, I sent Marcia <laughs> uh, an article that was written in the American Specter. It is by a guy named George Perry. He's an attorney. And he wrote a complete synopsis of the uh, uh, who killed uh, George Floyd, and uh, uh, it's a brilliant, brilliant assessment. You got to read it. Get this guy on and interview him. It's phenomenal. He says Chauvin's was totally well, right. I will. I will definitely it. check in with Marcy about that if you send it to her. And thank you, my friend. I appreciate it, Gary. Uh, I'd be very interested re- interested to read it, especially before George Floyd Day uh, becomes a national holiday by this time next year. Because I promise you, at least it's going to be proposed if it isn't confirmed. Uh, 10.30, we're going to get the news. And on the other side of the news, we're going to get David Ray from the Federation for American Immigration Reform, who will talk to us about Kamala Harris's visit to deal with the immigration crisis. But she didn't visit the border. She went to a foreign country. It makes no sense. And Dave Ray will try to make some sense of it for me next. May 1420, The Answer.
social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Onward we roll. It is 1036. That gives us 24 minutes of outstanding awesome left for you this hour. So good to be back in the chair after a week uh, in uh, Ron DeSantis land, which was glorious, by the way. So fantastic to be in a free state. Although it does make you a little bit more sad when you come back to a semi-free state like this one, which still is under the authoritative thumb of Mike DeWine. But I digress. Let's talk a little bit about good news right now. Good news. Kamala Harris finally took a trip to deal with the immigration crisis. Kinda. She didn't take a trip to McAllen, Texas. She didn't take a trip to the Laredo sector. In fact, she skipped the border altogether and went to a foreign country and went to Guatemala to deal with the American immigration problem between the United States and Mexico. Somebody's going to have to explain that to me. Maybe this guy can. He explains most things as they pertain to immigration in this country (laughs) to us. He is our friend Dave Ray from the Federation for American Immigration Reform. Dave, good morning, good sir. How are you? Hey, Bob. How you doing, buddy? Good to be with you again. Always a pleasure. Do you think, I asked Jim Jordan this last hour, do you think as she flew to Guatemala on Sunday night, she at least looked out her window to try to look down when they crossed over the border to, to say that, hey, look, I visited the border. I could see it from the plane. What do you think? I mean, Bob, asking me to explain Kamala Harris's actions towards our border is a pretty heavy lift <laughs> because it just doesn't make sense. Here we have a border czar from a border state who has yet to visit the border after two months, a border czar who has gone on public record stating that she opposes deporting illegal immigrants. Uh, We have, now she is gone, I mean, get the irony of this. She's flown to Guatemala to address what the Biden administration is calling push factors. Those are factors like, endemic corruption, massive gang violence. And so she's going to go there and help them solve those issues. Now think about the fact that we have this little town in America called Chicago, where gang violence is so out of control that on some weekends we can have 20 people shot, which is worse than you're having in Central America. So maybe they should be flying here and talking to us about you know, stopping gang violence. But, you know, the Biden administration has taken a wrecking ball to virtually every mechanism that was in place along the border to stop the influx of people, particularly during the ongoing public health and economic crisis that it that it produced. Uh, they have destroyed the ability of our nation to st- stop most people coming in. Uh, they have they haven't defunded ICE, but they've basically tied ICE's hands behind their back, and now they refuse to go to the border because nobody wants to be seen publicly owning the problem. So now it's become a shell game, Bob. I mean, in the month of April, we had 178,000 apprehensions on the U.S.-Mexico border. That we haven't seen numbers like this in two decades. This is not a blip on the screen. This is a new phenomenon, and the phenomenon started when Joe Biden and Kamala Harris stood, you know, rolled out the, the, the red carpet treatment to would-be illegal immigrants, and people responded 
as, of course, we thought they would. We're talking to Dave Ray from the Federation for American Immigration Reform. There's a couple of things, Dave, that I want to talk about, and, and um, <clears throat> you hit on some of it already. And, and, and Fair sent out this great statement today about the Remain in Mexico policy, too, that, you know, yeah. how, how many... I'm trying to remember who it was. Uh, Tom Homan, I think, um, who I heard say yesterday or this morning. I saw it this morning. I think it was from yesterday. How many of these Trump administration policies that they reversed and rolled back would it take to re- be reimplemented to solve this problem in five minutes? Tom Homan said there isn't, and they don't have to reinvent the wheel here. No. All they have to do is reinstate the Trump administration policies, which slowed the, the crossing, illegal crossing of, of immigrants across that border to a trickle. All they have right. to do is reimplement those policies. If people want to come here to seek asylum, fine. But while they wait for that asylum, just wait in Mexico. You are already away from the country that you are claiming is persecuting, persecuting you. You're in another right. country now. Wait there. We'll process you as we can. There are so many policies they just reversed because they had to say we're not Trump, so we have to we have to get rid of the Trump policies. And if they just would swallow their pride, they could solve this immigration crisis in about five minutes. That's what Tom Homan says. Is that what you say? That's absolutely correct. You know, a lot of the things, almost everything the Trump administration did, if you recall, was without the assistance of Congress. I mean, there was no legislation passed. Trump was able to divert some money to the border to the border wall. But he was—he thought outside of the box. I mean, he was a businessman. He wasn't your typical politician. He, first of all, threatened Mexico with harsh tariffs if they didn't get control of their southern border. I mean, in a New York minute, there were Mexican federal police on the Mexico-Guatemala border, and that immediately had an impact. Then he went further. He negotiated agreements with our neighbors to the south of Mexico in the Northern Triangle countries Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras, tamping down on asylum abuse and getting them to sign on to what's really a, an international point of view, which is if somebody is seeking asylum, say you're in El Salvador, and you are saying my government is politically persecuting me or persecuting me based on my race, ethnicity, national origin, what have you, and you're fleeing your government, the first safe country you step foot in is where you have to ask for political asylum. So they would have to ask for asylum in in, uh, Guatemala. Instead, so so those agreements were in place. And then another aspect, in addition to continuing to build the border wall, which sends the message that once you get here, it's not going to be easy to get in, uh, was the remain in Mexico policy. So if you recall I mean, for the last 10 years, we've had this out-of-control issue called catch-and-release, where people show up. If you have a child with you, uh, you, you know, utter the words political asylum. Uh, the, the, the backlog is so far, it's like nine months, that they simply just let you go into the interior of the country. Most of these folks disappear. I mean, the statistics um, on them were 31% of the aliens who asked for political asylum, never showed up for their asylum hearings. Forty percent who asked for asylum didn't even bother to file their paperwork. So it was a cat-and-mouse game. It was a way for would-be illegal aliens to get waved into the United States. And the Remain in Mexico policy 
basically eliminated that. And so anybody who, if you really were fleeing, uh, you know, persecution in Guatemala, uh, why you didn't ask for asylum in Mexico is a, is a very valid question. But here you are entering the United States illegally. Now you're waiting in Mexico for your hearing. You're safe from your persecuting government, and you have to wait your turn like everyone else. I mean, we have legal immigrants who are waiting 10 years to come in. You can wait nine months for an asylum hearing. Well, uh, you know, I mean, it shouldn't even be... It shouldn't even be a question. The asylum laws basically state that if you are fleeing persecution for your religion or for political motives or whatever the case might be from your country, you are trying to get out of that country that is persecuting you. If you end up in another country, your your search is over. Uh, that right. you have gotten you have you have gotten away from the, those who persecuted you. And for them to just say, "Yeah, but I don't like it here as much. I want to go somewhere else." It's like. It's like a family of starving people having no food in their home, and they go in search of of respite and charity. Right. And the next door neighbor says, "Come on in here. We've got bologna sandwiches for you. Uh, we've got some good fruits and vegetables here for you. Come on over here, and we we'll, we'll help you out." And they say, "Hey, thanks, but the neighbor on the other side of you, one more house down, is having steak. The hell with yeah. you. I'm going to hold out for the steak." Right. That's not how this works, and that's what so many of these uh, asylum seekers in the triangle countries, and I don't know, not even just the triangle countries, um, David Ray, but you know, there's over 100 and what was it, 120 countries represented? 150. I think? 150? 150 different countries. People are, you know, and Bob, the, the point though is we don't have any issue with somebody who finds that they have, you know, they don't like the 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 country where they were born in and they felt that they deserved a better lot in life and they want to come to the United States. We have a system in place for doing that. It's called the legal immigration system. It's the most generous immigration system on earth. We take in more than a million legal immigrants every year. And we All support we ask it. Of, we support yeah, we it. Support, That's how our own ancestors got here. We support the here. system and it protects the American people right. because it does a background check on these would-be immigrants in their home countries. These folks who are coming up for catch and release, you know, they arrive with kids. Some of these kids have been kidnapped. So now we're, we're involved in child trafficking. You know, when the Biden administration announced that children that come into the United States will no longer be sent home to be reunited with their family, what did that result in? Pictures of kids being dropped off border walls. That's right. Pictures of kids being abandoned in the desert. Five-year-olds, kids who can't even walk, sitting you know out in the middle of the hot Arizona desert. There was a, a, a few weeks ago a group of, and it also allows children to be used as bait for the border patrol so that illegal aliens can get, get past them. There was a, a raft full of illegal immigrants coming across the Rio Grande, the Border Patrol was on the other side. One of the, 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 the illegal aliens took a six-month child and threw it into the river. So the Border Patrol had to go in and rescue the child, and the illegal aliens were able to get into the United States and flee. I mean, it is an ugly situation. I do want to let disgusting. you know, Bob, that, that FAIR is going to be sending uh, our media response team to the border in Sierra Vista, uh, Arizona, uh, the last week in June, we're going to be reporting live, having interviewed ranchers and Border Patrol agents, if we can find any that are allowed to talk to us, and local sheriffs about what's going on there, the magnitude of the problem, and whether or not these people think this is a blip on the screen. And I'm 
pretty darn sure we're going to hear no. Last thing, Dave Ray, before you go, I want to address is the job situation. Um, I heard the number reported last week. It might have been Larry Kudlow, but I can't swear to it, that right now there are roughly three jobs available for every unemployed worker in America. Um, but the workers aren't taking them. The workers are, of course, you know, loving the free uh, money that is being passed out by the government and the uh, unemployment insurance supplementals and so forth. And so, immigration pro immigration advocates are saying yeah. this is a this is why we need to stop being so. Uh, you know, the conservatives need to stop being so. Uh, principled about the border and about uh, immigrants in this country. We need to bring in millions of immigrants to take these jobs that Americans literally, in this case, they always used to say that. Immigrants do the jobs Americans won't do. Well, in this case, it's a lot of jobs Americans used to do, just don't want to right. do now because they're getting free money. But they're using this right. as an argument to to you know double and triple the number of immigrants that are brought yeah. in, the number of work visas that are issued. How does FAIR respond to that? I mean, that that's a ridiculous... Uh, example of the Chamber of Commerce using every argument under, you know, God's son to justify bringing in large numbers of low-skilled, cheap, exploitable workers. The fact that we have all of these people who are on long-term unemployment are making as good of money on unemployment as they are if they would go back into the, the mainstream... Replacing them with immigrants is not an answer to a problem because that government uh, boost that they've been receiving is eventually going to run out, and then they are going to need those jobs. And those jobs are being filled by immigrants. So, you know, you doubling uh, mass immigration at a time when there's still, I mean, I don't know how things are in northern Ohio, but there are uh, just dozens and dozens of restaurants here in the District of Columbia that have been open for decades that are permanently closed. So there are people who have lost their positions permanently. Uh, it's going to take people some time to find these jobs, and it's going to take uh, the government to stop de- disincentivizing uh, the desire of people to go back to work, bringing in large numbers of unskilled immigrants at a time when our borders are blowing up is not a reasonable answer to this issue. Dave Ray laying it out for us, and that's exactly right. They're looking at short-term situations, and it's going to have a long-term impact. What are you going to do when these people come in here, take these jobs for now, get some? I mean, it is important to get these businesses staffed fully, uh, you know, for the economy and for everyone, you know, to benefit. But what are they going to do if, in a short-term situation, they bring them in, and then the American people want their jobs back? Are you going to yeah. deport everybody? That's it's just not going to work. Uh, nope. They'll disappear. They'll disappear into the population the way you know illegal aliens already do when they come and overstay visas so right all right uh, dave ray really important stuff i know fair is all over it great release today i was so glad for those who want to right. be on your mailing list by the way they do i you know i i get fair's mailing list or excuse me <clears throat> email every week because i'm on the mailing list it always right. keeps us up to date on all of the latest issues with respect to immigration and illegal immigration in particular how can people sign up to get themselves on that mailing list so they can see well what I check see? Check us out on the web at fairus.org. We're the nation's foremost immigration watchdog group. We're also available on Twitter at hashtag fairimmigration and on Facebook. Almost everything that we do ends up on those social media platforms as well. You also you know, can see our press releases, our opinion pieces that go out. 
Uh, fair, like I said, uh, you know, hopefully Bob will be talking again at the end of the month. We're going to be doing some live reporting at the border about what's going on and letting the people of Northeast Ohio know just how bad things are because the Biden administration simply isn't going to admit it. Uh, but yeah, check us out, fairus.org. We're a national nonprofit organization. All of your donations are 100% tax deductible. Join the good fight. Join FAIR. Amen to that. Dave Ray, thank you, my friend. I appreciate care, you educating buddy. us all. Thank you, Dave. All right, 1052, we'll take a time out here. Final segment coming up. If you want to get in, get in. 216-901-0945 on The Authority. Okay, 1057. I've only got a couple of minutes here, not enough time to engage in conversation. So what I do want to do is share this little clip with you. It'll kind of lead into tomorrow's conversation when we have Peter Kersenow back on the program. Now, I know you got a full two hours worth of Kersenow, uh yesterday, or excuse me, on Friday's program, uh, but there is no such thing as too much Kersenow. Kersenow was on Fox News yesterday uh, talking about Joe Biden uh, and his argument, his claim that systemic racism is the top crisis of our time, that systemic racism is what's leading to or what uh, is, is going to lead to the destruction and the downfall of this country. Peter Kersenow responded on Fox News yesterday. Uh, no, because it's a canard that's been used by progressives for quite some time now, at least for the last several years, in order to justify massive social reengineering in a progressive direction and massive spending. But this is a bright, shining lie, to, uh, par- to paraphrase uh, an old book. Um, the president should know either he is galactically ignorant or he's lying, uh, perhaps both, regretfully. But the fact of the matter is, for over 60 years, we've had a multi-billion dollar apparatus that has fought against successfully systemic racism. And if the president were asked, very often when this is invoked, no one is asked for specifics about systemic racism. But he should know that if he's asked, he'd be able to identify, if he's honest, only two. One is his own administration, <laughs> which just this week was struck down twice by federal courts. Well, stop it there so you can have more of out tomorrow. But the fact that Peter Kersenow went on Fox News and told a national TV audience that the president of the United States is galactically ignorant is priceless. Kersenow joins me tomorrow. Hopefully you'll be here, too. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.